Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 13th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 27th, 2023. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And I am excited that we are getting into this time where a lot of transition starts happening, especially here in the Northern Hemisphere, at least in the United States. You're starting to have kids go back to school. The state where I'm at, you have to wait till after Labor Day, but it's this transitional phase. A lot of times within the church, we start feeling that too. You start seeing more education as the summer is starting to wind down. Yes, it's kind of sad that that's happening, but it's also this movement into the next part of growth. And again, as we are still in the season after Pentecost, as the banners are still green in most churches, this is that idea of continued growth. This is our growth time of year. And I'm really excited because of how this causes us to reflect and think and go deeper to be able to really grow. Growth happens usually from the roots down first before you start seeing the growth going up. You have to have the foundation. This is that period of time during the year that that foundation is continuing to be built and really growing, and we might start seeing the growth up. So this idea that we need to continue to work this and go through this, and that's why I think this is such a fun and exciting time of year. But before we jump into this week's, we have to look back to last week's question, which was, where do you see beyond where we are at right now? I think when we are looking at, and especially me being still a fairly younger person, this idea of looking beyond where we are at with retirement would be one. Looking beyond where we are at with the climate crisis. Looking beyond where we're at as we are trying to set goals and aspirations for ourselves. You take into consideration where you're at, but you continue to move forward by looking further than where you are. If you're stuck with just looking at where you are at currently, it makes it hard for you to be able to grow because you're focused on the here and now. You have to look beyond that to be able to have things grow, to look beyond that to set goals so that you have something to strive for. I think that's one of the things right now within especially the American culture that I'm growing up in, at times we can get stuck with that around certain subjects. And especially when we look at our global climate crisis or we look at growth after we get through school individually, we sometimes get to the stuck point and we don't allow ourselves to keep growing because the evidence of our growth isn't as obvious, but it's so important for us to continue to grow in. I also attach links down below, Phil DeFranco. I've referenced him before, did another deep dive onto the topic we talked about last week, did a nice little segment kind of expanding on what Hank Green talked about last week. So if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend checking that out in the show notes. So let's just jump into this week. And again, we're still in this section of having two Old Testament texts. So let's just jump into it. Our first Old Testament text is from Exodus chapter 1 verses 8 to chapter 2 verse 10. There is a lot in this section. First and foremost, it's this transition of Joseph is now gone. The king of Egypt has forgotten Joseph and is seeing the Israelites more and more as a threat. And because there's more and more of them. So he talks to the midwives 
who are Seraphath and Pura, the midwives, to kind of kill off the Israelite baby boys. They make up this lie that they aren't able to get there because the Israelite women are just so much stronger. They can't get there to help deliver to kill the babies. So they continue to work this idea of how we're going to get rid of all these boys. And so there is, from the house of Levi, a Levite woman who bears a son. She hides him for three months, puts him in a basket, floats him down the river. His sister watches from afar. And when the daughter of the Pharaoh, or the king of Egypt, notices this child, she offers to help take care, find someone to be able to nurse this child. This becomes Moses. The person is going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt long term, but this is the beginning of that story. So it's a really interesting story of seeing the changing of culture at that time, but also this recognition of place. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 124, all eight verses of it. And it's recognizing that God is on our side with anything that comes against us and that in that, that this recognition that God will continue to be with us and help us when things are looking desperate. Things are looking like we aren't going to be able to make it. Things are looking bleak. That God still is with us and is able to carry us through because God is in control of what is going on. The other alternative Old Testament text this week is out of Isaiah chapter 51, the first six verses. Again, this is that recognition of after Jerusalem has fallen and this moment of making sure we look back to how God has continued to provide for the people over time. Looking at how God blessed Abraham and Sarah, even when things didn't look great, that God is trying to lay out a place for his people to be able to be, that there is this Zion, this coming out of the wilderness, this place where God is steering us and to deliver us. But we need to continue to trust even when things are looking bleak. This recognition that that God is still walking with us, even when we are feeling out of place. And this recognition that in that out of placeness, the coming into place is the recognition of pointing our eyes back and recognizing what God is doing. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 138, all eight verses of that. And this then is, again, this praise psalm of giving thanks to what God is doing. Recognition that all the love and faithfulness that it takes to be able to Get closer to God, recognizing that this is a holy temple that our spirit is within and that everything that we have is something that we should be praising God with, everything that is inside of us, that this is a God who loves us regardless. This is a God who is not caught up in some of the different things that we go through, but yet God is striving for us to be able to be closer to God and helping us to be in relationship through that love that is poured out. The New Testament text then is out of Romans chapter 12, the first eight verses. This then continues on here with what we've been hearing from Paul, but it's this recognition that our bodies is a living sacrifice and that the Spirit of God is not just conformed to within our minds, but it needs to be our whole body. 
and that this is a function of how we live things out, that this is not something that is just looking at all our shame, but also this life-changing thing that we are inspired to show the gifts that God has given us and use that and it show the body, be part of that body that is in movement, that give the generosity and diligence and compassion, these different parts of us that God has gifted us with and sharing that with people because we are living out this mission. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13 to 20. This is where Jesus is entering the district of Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. He states, who do people say that I am? And some say John the Baptist, other Elijah, others Jeremiah were one of the prophets. And then in verse 15, he turns it around. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter responds with, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus then responds with, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father in heaven. And then he continues with that Peter will be the rock on which the church is built and that Hades will not prevail. That this foretelling of what Peter will be, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and ever who you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he sternly ordered his disciples not to say that anything about what he had just said, that he was the Messiah. But this idea of recognizing that at this moment, Peter is seeing and believing and knowing that this is the Messiah, the one that they have been looking for and waiting for, for a long time. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together, this week we we'll do a shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction and different ideas to bring this podcast to you week after week. So, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but also having the liturgical art, prayers, hymns, colors. All this stuff is so important to be able to help give some perspective and look at things a little bit differently and to help be able to get ready and prepare and think about these texts week to week. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that. Finally, I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and Green Blades Rising Publications. These are newsletters and reflections each week on the different lectionary texts. If you're listening to this podcast, I think you'd enjoy listening to it week after week, looking through ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies about being able to look at these texts in that way, whether you're preaching or listening week to week, but giving you something additional to be thinking about. I, later this year, will be writing, and I'm really excited about it. I know writing isn't my forte, as I use my voice a lot, but I am really looking forward to being part of this ministry. So I'd highly recommend, so you don't miss out on that, checking out the links down below in the show notes and sign up for this awesome newsletter and weekly reflection. I think this week you really have to start with, but who do you say that I am? It's such a personal question. 
And it's amazing when you look and take that line and look at all the different texts that we have this week. It is the defining phrase that helps us guide us through this week. And amazingly, when we talk about our spiritual lives, we often talk about identity and knowing who our identity is and what does that identity then mean for us moving forward. I am very much of an advocate of not getting stuck purely on the idea of identity, but recognizing that that identity should be moving us toward something and moving us toward becoming then, because of this identity, this is who I am. This is then what this means for me. This is how I act. This is what I do. And with being human, I think a lot of times it's a question that we all focus around. The senior pastor who I work under, Corey Furman, has stated it takes the first 20 years of your life to figure out who you are and the rest of your life on how are you going to live that out. And I think in a lot of ways that is the essence of what this question really gets to. And when we think about it, I think to help answer this question, science really can help us in a couple different ways to help us recognize the importance of this question and the importance of why we need to answer this question. But then two, if we don't answer this question, how out of hand things can get. And I think the combination of those two bundled together can really help us get some insight into how we need to be able to answer this question, not only about Christ, but within our own selves. So let's just jump into it. One of the things that has been crazy over the last 30 years, 35 years, is the beginning of DNA sequencing. Because of DNA sequencing, it has allowed us to start to understand potentially biogenetic trees. Biogenetic trees are allowing us to understand how potentially species evolved, deviated from each other. And through these trees, we're able to find common ancestors. And based on how close they are related through common ancestors, can help us understand how closely related they are to us. So for instance, our closest related relative as a homo sapien is the chimpanzee. The closer they are, the more genetic material they share in common. And thus, especially as we have been learning with genetics or things happen, potentially this can be something that there still might be enough DNA that's close enough that you're able to help. Or based off of what we know from whatever other species, they can help teach us about these other species, the closer they are together. Before DNA, we were a little bit limited on this. Because we weren't able to look at the genetic coding, there was a lot of times that we thought things were closer together based off of physical traits or looking at things acting in a similar way. And I don't typically use forms, but this one I use because there's a lot of referencing on who this person is and where they're studying and different things. But Here's a few examples, and I even had a close friend of mine reach out with a couple. In 1975, so again, within many people's lifetime, fungi, molds, mushrooms, etc. were considered a plant. And now they're being more closely related to animals when you look at them at the molecular level, and they became their own kingdom within classification. This is a great example. 
Another example is the understanding of how manatees were assumed to be walruses, but looking again at that biochemical analysis, they are more closely related to elephants and aardvarks. Another easy example is looking at the red panda versus the giant panda of the southeast. That there was things when you looked at them that they acted, were they bears or were they raccoons, based off of physical characteristics, and there was much argument. But when they did DNA sequencing, the giant panda was more part of the true bears, the Urusei, and the red panda was part of their own family, but was more closely related to raccoons. So these types of things help us then be able to understand things closer. Another example of this, Belkins. Once considered to be related to hawks, would make sense. But the DNA is showing a much stronger relationship with parrots. Us being able to understand this genetic connection to something that's closely related makes us understand what are they more susceptible to. What potentially are different diseases and things that could potentially show up for these different types of species? What things should we be aware of? What are things that we assume? And that's where we talked about before how we've gotten into co-evolution where something evolved completely separate of the other one, like countershading, how animals typically are darker on the top of their body and lighter underneath for being able to, if they're up in the air on a tree and you're looking up at them, it matches more the sky versus if you're looking from the tree down on the forest floor, they kind of blend in that way. These things that evolved multiple times throughout multiple species didn't mean that they were necessarily related to whatever else has that. It's something that evolved independent of something else, the co-evolution. But this idea of us being able to better understand these species and their families helps us better appreciate and understand potentially where these things came from. Another example, but going the opposite way, is why are invasive species so hard? Invasive species are so difficult because they don't have any natural predators. And why is this so hard? Because they don't know where they fit in the ecosystem. When we take the previous examples and understanding who their relatives are, and yes, they might be in a separate ecosystem like falcons and parrots. They have spent enough time in that ecosystem that they've developed independent and they've become part of that ecosystem. They understand their role. When you take a species out of that and release it, it doesn't know what its role is. Take the Burmese python, which has been wreaking havoc on Florida because the Everglades does act like some of its natural habitat, but it's been preying on a lot of these native species, especially like your rabbits and different understory, and there is nothing to be able to stop it. There is no predator that is there to be able to stop this. Who are the natural predators typically of Burmese pythons? These would be tigers. These would be leopards. There isn't that type of predator in Florida. The panther that was potentially there have been declining for decades. You don't have a predator, so then these are able to run rampant. They don't know who they are, and thus causing major destruction to the ecosystem because there isn't anything to be able to control this. This is having a negative effect. Take, if you're in the 
upper half of the United States. Take the Asian lady beetle was brought in for control of aphids. The problem is there is no natural predators for these guys and they have become this huge nuisance because how do you control something that's now been released and is running rampant? This all then ties into the idea of when you are within an ecosystem, you know who you are, you know what your role is. If you have grown up and been developed in that ecosystem, you understand who you are and what your role is. And in doing that, it allows you to be able to thrive and others to be able to thrive with you, not at the expense of others. As we are called into the body of Christ, as Jesus is calling Peter into the next phase after Jesus is gone, because of the faith that Peter has in being able to recognize what is going on here, Jesus is laying out, this is the next thing for you to do. This is the next place where you are needing to be there to help the evolution of what's going to be happening. And you start looking at this, the Egyptians had forgotten what blessing the Israelites had been. And yes, they're trying to enslave them. And here comes Moses, that they're trying to make him the invasive species within this community. You have multiple people making sure, multiple women named how important that is, stating, no, we're going to care for this child. He is part of this ecosystem. We're not just going to let him go. He is valued. He is important. In Isaiah, reminding the people that you have been blessed. You are part of this ecosystem. Don't forget how much God has continued to be there to help you. Don't forget that God has overcome great odds to you, what appeared to be great odds, so that you would be able to thrive within this ecosystem. But I think it really comes home in Romans that, yes, God has done all this, but then God has also given you gifts to be able to benefit the whole body. Or maybe another phrase of ecosystem, just with humans in mind, but the idea of the whole ecosystem benefiting because of you being able to recognize who God has created you to be, to be able to have then everybody thrive and work together to make the whole body move. It means that you need to know who you are and in knowing who you are and who you are rooted in, you are able to make greater beneficial effects for everyone around you as they are then able to slowly figure out who they are to benefit everybody. This is such important stuff. Us being able to understand genetically the connections that different animals have makes us better understand how different tendencies might work or the chances of having different diseases or different things on Okay, if this happened, then what happened to have these separate? What things change? It helps us in a roundabout way, to some extent, understand who we are. Because we're understanding who they are, helps us understand who we are in that ecosystem. It's this whole connection thing that Paul is driving home with the body. And Jesus, in a roundabout way, is doing the same thing. He's trying to lay out, okay, yes, Peter, you're going to build this rock. But he also then is teaching here at the end. He's teaching whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. But you then need to have understanding of what to bind and what to loose. You need to have a good enough connection to what is going on around you to know that. We are learning that we do not need pythons in Florida. Because they are wreaking havoc because there is no natural predators for these guys outside of us going in and doing the work. 
And it's hard on the ecosystem, even though it's similar, it appears similar to where they originate from. But there has been enough modifications to that ecosystem that make it so that is not where they are intended at this point to be. We need to remember that with our own selves too. That we need to be steered and led by God. Being able to be in that relationship to be able to know or try to understand where God is steering us every moment. Because otherwise we become an invasive species that we don't know where we're at. We don't understand why we're still there. We don't understand the problems that can come from us just being let loose. We have to be able to work in partnership with everybody. We need to work together as a body. We need to work together as an ecosystem to recognize who each of us is, but also recognize who we are working together for, what the foundation is, to be able to bound on top of that who we are, and then what, because of who I am, how can I benefit others inward to produce things outward to be able to recognize all this stuff we are recognizing the dna of things to connect that connect things together so we can understand what their role is for everyone else so that all of us benefit so the question i have for you this week is how are you connected and i'll let you take that however you want how are you connected that can be to your church That could be to your environment. That could be to your school, your community. How are you connected to your country? How are we connected to the world? How are we connected to this galaxy? How are you connected? In a world that likes to divide, I feel that this is an important thing for us to remember is what we are supposed to be connected. Instead of immediately seeing the ways that we're different, maybe we should be striving to see the ways that we're the same so we can discuss the differences. And us as a global community of Christians, we struggle hardcore with this because we love making new denominations or new ways of Christianity because we disagree on a few things. And that means we need to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and recognize that and work on it actively, not passively. Because if we are moving together as a body, we got to know what the core is. And if the core is all the same for all of us who are Christians and saying that, then we better understand why the body is moving the ways that it is instead of ridiculing the different parts of the body moving in different ways than we think they should be. It's hard. It's hard getting to that core. But we're finding genetically with all these species, it's so important for us and helping us understand them to be able to better understand us within that ecosystem. Why aren't we doing the same? Why are we sabotaging ourselves and allowing ourselves to be invasive species within each other? Because We don't understand. We haven't spent the time to understand. Who do you say that I am? Let people speak to understand that. It's a moment where Jesus is actually letting the disciples speak and Jesus listens. How quick are we to speak and not let ourselves listen? I think these are important things and especially as we are getting into what many parts, at least here in the United States, the academic year, it's a good reminder. We need to listen. And in a world where that sometimes isn't beautiful, in a world that there is a lot of need, so maybe we need to listen to these people and actively recognize that might mean parts of the body needs to adapt to help other parts of the body. But in doing that, I pray and I hope that we better understand who each of us is and how connected we all should be so that we understand and recognize that we all are 
connected just like falcons and parrots so that we are able to produce something more beautiful for our ecosystem than a python set free in florida so we'll wrap this up as we always do i pray god blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science <laughs>